I want to make a disclaimer. I want to make a disclaimer this morning. That is, I am so passionate about missions that I am usually over the top with my presentation. When it comes to preaching about missions, I, I don't usually take any prisoners. Don't usually take any prisoners. When it comes to missions, I, I believe there are only two categories. We are either a missionary or we are a mission field. Y'all were with Kyle, and you already just gone to sleep on it. It's his pastor. He's been here eight years. We know what he's going to say. I said, when it comes to missions, there are only two categories. We are either a missionary or we are a mission field. Now, some missionaries go and others sin. But all of us, if we are not a mission field, then we are a missionary. And I believe that God has called me individually. I believe that he has called New Bethel to be a sending Church, yes, we take mission trips. We take a couple of them every single year, and we participate in that. And I think that all of us ought to go from time to time. But most of all, I believe God has called us to be a sending church. I love the story of the man sitting in church. And as the offering bag came by him for missions, the man scowled, I don't believe in giving to missions. Well, the usher said to him, well, hey, man, take some out. It's for the heathen, you know. I'm telling you this morning, do not give to missions. Now, it's obvious to me that some of you have already heard this sermon. Because you don't give to missions. You are a tough bunch today. And I tell the second bunch, you're the best bunch and you're just terrible today. Come on, we got a guest here. Let them know that that you're in this this morning, all right? They love me in spite of me, Brother Kyle. I'm going to give you six reasons this morning why you should not give to missions. I mean, understand that we Americans love our excuses. We love our excuses. We, we have an excuse for just about everything. If there's something that we don't want to do, we can think up a good excuse not to do it. There's actually a company on the internet that sells excuses. You tell them your situation and they will manufacture an excuse for you. Somebody compiled a list of actual excuses that people wrote on their accident report form after they had their automobile accident. These were copied word for word. Danny, give me just a little bit more monitor. One guy wrote on his accident report, he said, a pedestrian hit me and then slid under my car. Another one wrote, coming home, I drove into the wrong house and I hit a tree I don't even have. (laughs) Another one wrote, I collided with a stationary truck, a stationary truck, coming the other way. (laughs) Another one wrote, the pedestrian had absolutely no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. Another one wrote, the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. (laughs) Another one wrote, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my (laughs) mother-in-law, headed over the embankment. (laughs) And then my favorite of all, 
This one wrote, I was on my way to the doctor with rear-end trouble. That's what he wrote. I was on my way to the doctor with rear-end trouble when my universal joint gave way, causing me to have the accident. Well, today is the beginning of our annual missions convention. And if you don't want to give to missions this morning, I'm going to help you out a little bit. Can you believe that I would help you out? But I'm going to help you out this morning. If you don't want to give to missions, I'm, I'm going to help you this morning. I'm going to give you six reasons why you shouldn't give, to re- shouldn't give to missions. Number one this morning, don't give to missions if you don't believe that God is serious about it. If you don't believe that God is serious about missions, then... Then don't give. If, if you think that missions is, is no big deal to God, then, 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 then don't support missions. Here's the problem with this excuse. Mark 16 and 15. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, Jesus is about to ascend back into heaven. He, his earthly ministry is almost complete. And he's ready to go back to heaven. He spent three and a half years teaching and pouring into the lives of his disciples. And these are some of the very last words that, that he's going to speak to his disciples. How many would think that, that the very last words that a person would speak to someone, don't you think they would, would bypass the, the, the small talk and, and say what was most important and, and top priority to them? And what did Jesus say to them? He said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, there are so many things that we do. There are so many things that... We spend money on and make priority in the church today that God never told us to do. And then we ignore what he said was priority. How many understand that, that God never told the church to build buildings? God never told the church to spend thousands of dollars on sound equipment so everybody could complain about it. God never told anybody to buy the church to buy lights and state-of-the-art technical equipment. He never said to hire a full-time professional for every single department in the local church. He he didn't say make sure that the seats are padded and the parking is paved and man, make sure you got Starbucks in the foyer. And let me be clear this morning, I'm not against any of these things. Nothing wrong with any of this. And these are tools that help us. But, but the fact remains that nothing is said of any of these things in Scripture. And yet we spend, most of, we spend most of the church budget on these things. And missions, which is the actual heartbeat of God, is kind of some kind of an afterthought in most churches. If any, anything is left over, we might give it to missions. Uh, after we take care of everything, after we take care of all the essentials like Starbucks in the foyer. No, I believe that if we don't take care of missions first, there just may not be anything else left to take care of. Amen? If you don't believe that God is serious about missions, then don't give to missions. But I just happen to believe that there is absolutely nothing else that God is more interested in than missions. Don't give to missions number two this morning if you don't think that lost people go to hell. If you don't really believe that lost people go to hell, no need to give to missions. Now, somehow, I, I think somehow people think that God's going to change his mind about the eternal destiny of the soul of the soul of the sinner. 
If not, why else would we be so nonchalant about the lost? I know this is tough this morning. I, I, I gave my disclaimer. I warned you, remember? If you don't believe that God said in his, what God said in His Word about the eternal destiny of, uh, of the lost, then don't give to missions. If you believe that God is going to change His mind, if you don't believe that God meant what He said, there's your excuse, there's your out. I've given you one this morning. The problem is, Mark 16 and 15 and verse 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but, say but, but, but he who does not believe will be condemned, or King James Version says will be damned. Will be what? Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me ask you this morning, did Jesus say, hey, I'm a way, I'm a truth, I'm a life. There's a lot of different ways, a lot of different methods. I'm a, I'm one of many ways. Uh, get to heaven the best you can, any way you can. Doesn't matter if it's Buddha, doesn't matter if it's me, doesn't matter who it is. I'm a way, I'm one of many ways. Did he say that now? Jesus said emphatically, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And Jesus said absolutely no one will get to the Father unless they come through me. I ask you this morning, where is God the Father? Is He not in heaven this morning? So, so no one can go to heaven unless they get, uh, unless they get there through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, no one will come to the Father unless they come through me. So if people don't hear about Jesus, how can they get to heaven? If the only way to get to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood on the cross, if the only way to get to heaven is is through Jesus, if they don't hear about Jesus, how are they going to get to heaven? And if they don't get to heaven, the Bible only talks about heaven and hell. And so if they're not in heaven, they're in hell. That's why we must support missions so that people can hear about Jesus and be saved and go to heaven. Number three this morning, don't give to missions if you don't care that over half the world has never heard about Jesus. If you don't care that somewhere close to half of our world has never heard about Jesus. Six billion people inhabit planet earth. Approximately 3 billion have never had an adequate presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of you say, oh no, here it goes again. Missions again. Missions convention again. I know what pastor's going to do. Hey, compare that with Coca-Cola. I read somewhere that Coke boasts that 97% of the world's population have either tasted or at least seen a Coke. 97 out of every 100 people in the world. I've been in some very primitive places in missions trips. I've been back in, way back in the jungle in a little church that's just a hut. And after church, Brother Kyle, they were so excited because they brought the man of God a Coke. I mean, no, Coca-Cola's done its job. If Coca-Cola was the church, the world would already be evangelized. 
If the church had the money Coca-Cola has, the world would be evangelized also. Let me tell you something this morning. The the missionaries are ready. Missionaries are are ready. My my phone rings almost every day. Missionaries. Sometimes two or three times a day, I get phone calls. The missionaries are ready. They're chomping at the pit. They're set on, on go. They're ready to go. All they need is the funds to get them there. The good news is the church has the money. Oh, you don't know about the economy, Pastor, evidently. Yes, I do. I see you guys still drove to church this morning, even at $3.25 a gallon gas. Most of you are going to have going to stop on your way home and eat before you can get to the house. It might be a McDonald's burger. It might be a $20 steak. But almost everybody in here is going to eat somewhere today, not even at home. <laughs> I told you I'm over the top. <laughs> Amen. Good news is the church has the money. Bad news is it's still in your pocket. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13 this morning. Romans chapter 10. You can't have a missions convention. You can't preach a mission sermon hardly without reading this. Romans chapter number 10, verse 13 through 15. Paul writes, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, that's awesome. But then he says, but how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And then how shall they believe in him if they have not even heard about him? And how shall they hear unless they have a preacher? And how shall those preachers preach unless somebody sends them? Friend, if you don't believe, or if you don't give the mission, if you don't care that half the world has never heard about Jesus. Let me give you another reason this morning. Don't give the missions if you don't really believe that we can make a difference anyway. Don't give to missions if you don't believe that we can make a difference. Pastor, you might be thinking, you, you, you say that three billion people have never heard about Jesus Christ. Pastor, we have about 450 people that call New Bethel their church home. About 350, 375 show up on Sunday morning. How can 450 attenders, how can 350, 375 actual attenders on a Sunday morning, how could we possibly make any difference to 3 billion people? Let me tell you, first of all, that New Bethel is just one of 12,300 churches in the Assemblies of God in the United States of America. And then add to this all of the other legitimate fellowships and denominations in America. How many know we're not the only church going to heaven? There are other abominations, I mean denominations that are going too. And there's some incredible Baptist churches out there, some wonderful Methodist churches out there, some great Church of Christ churches. There's all kinds of churches out there that are sending missionaries the same uh, way we are. We're all on the same team. Somebody asked me, Pastor, you sold six acres to a church? We're going to have another church? You want another church by us? I don't care if there's 12 churches by us. We're all on the same team. I have that kind of attitude, amen, that I, you know, man, it's just our four no more. It's just all about us. God's not going to bless that. 
just somehow believe that God has New Bethel here for that, this purpose. When Oasis Baptist Church gets up there, amen, God will have a purpose and a plan for them. It'll be separate than ours. We're not in competition. We're on the same team. Here's what we need to remember this morning. We're not responsible for for reaching them all. We, New Bethel, we are just responsible for reaching every single one that we can. I love this story. I've told it many times, but it's just just perfect for this this morning. I love the story of the little boy. I was walking along the seashore, and there he was picking up starfish and flinging them one by one back into the ocean. An old gentleman walked by and he said, son, what are you doing? He said, I am throwing these starfish back into the ocean because because if they don't get back into the ocean, they're going to die. And the old gentleman said, son, look how long this shoreline is. Look, look, look how long this beach is. And there are millions and millions of these starfish. There's no way you could possibly make a difference to all those starfish. And the little boy looked down in the starfish that he had in his hand. And he said, no, sir, but I can make a difference in this one. No, Lou Bethel, we will not touch three billion people. But I want to tell you that there are some starfish that are going to die. There are some souls that are going to go to hell. Unless you and I, New Bethel, unless we do our part, we don't have to do it all. But there are some starfish, there are some souls that God has put on our heart. And God is going to require of us when we stand before Him. And we don't do it all, but we do our part. I'll never forget several years ago, a man in my church after church chastised me and he asked me, he said, Pastor, do you have to give an altar call after every service? I have people criticize me because I don't give enough altar calls. And then I've been criticized for giving too many. I said, Sir, aren't you glad I did the day you got saved? Amen. Oh, we can't reach them all. But there is a segment of people that has been assigned to us. Amen. We cannot make a a difference to the entire world. But there is a group of people where we can make a difference in. Buckle your seatbelts. It ain't even started yet. Number five this morning, don't give to missions. If you don't mind being empty-handed at the judgment seat of Christ. I said, if you don't mind being empty-handed when you stand before God on judgment day, don't give to missions. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, we must all, say all. Some, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body. Individually, standing before God. Individually being judged. Individually being rewarded or not being rewarded. Each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Here's the problem with too many Christians. All they're concerned about is getting to heaven. 
All they're concerned about is getting to heaven. All they're concerned about is that they don't burn in hell. And let me tell you, this is the most important part. It is. Nothing more important in all of your life than making sure that you know Christ and making sure that your name is written uh, in the book of life in heaven. There's nothing more important than that. Let me tell you, that's not what it's all about. Somehow, there's so many, somehow they they think that heaven's going to be a one-size-fits-all kind of place. I'm persuaded that that most Christians just think all they got to do is get to heaven and when they get there it's going to be one size fits all. It's going to be, uh, everybody's going to be equal in heaven and all they got to do is just barely get in. But the truth of the matter is that we all get there the same way. We all get there the same way through through grace and through the blood of Jesus Christ. Works will not get you in, but... Works will get you rewarded. Works will not get you in. You cannot do enough good works in order to get saved. You cannot be good enough. You you cannot give enough money. You cannot go enough. You cannot do enough. You cannot be righteous enough. The only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, through receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Everybody gets to heaven the same way. But once we get to heaven, not everybody's going to be on the same playing field. Not everybody, not everybody uh, is going to be equal in heaven. It ain't one size fits all. And most people, I think, believe that, or at least they live that way. Works won't get you in, but works will get you rewarded. Our rank, going to have ranks? Yeah, the Bible talks about it. Our rank, our authority, our rewards in heaven are going to be determined by our works for God. Our works that we did as a Christian on earth. Jesus said in Revelation 22 and 12, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. My what? My reward is with me, Jesus said, to give to everybody. Oh, everybody gets a reward. Oh, goody. According to His work. We're going to be rewarded according to what? We get saved by works? But we get rewarded by works. Amen. So don't give to missions if you don't if you don't mind being empty-handed when you stand before God on judgment day. I love the story of the man that came back to his hometown for a high school reunion. And after the reunion, he saw one of his old high school buddies. It was a it was a it was a buddy that he grew up with. I mean, the two were inseparable when they were high school buddies. They hadn't seen each other in many, many years. Now this one has come home for the, for the high school reunion. And as they're, as they're visiting at the reunion, the one that didn't leave home told his, his friend that was home that had gone away, he said, come on over to the house and I want you to come and visit. I want you to come and I want you to come and share a meal with me. And they said, oh, I'd love to. I'd love, we can t- tell stories. We can, we can get caught up on where we are in life. And, and so he gave him his address and then he said, he said, when you, he said, when you get there, he said, just, he said, just kick the, the glass door to the lobby open with your foot. And, and then, he said, hit the elevator button with your elbow. And when you get up to my apartment, then just stand outside the door and holler for me and I'll, I'll come let you in. And the buddy, quite puzzled at these instructions, said, Okay, it's just the alarm, folks. Don't worry about it. We're saved. We're going to heaven. 
his buddy quite puzzled at these instructions said, said, okay, but, but why? Why would I need to kick the door to the lobby open with my foot and hit the elevator button with my elbow? And his friend replied, well, you're not planning on coming to see me empty-handed, are you? I don't know about you this morning. I don't know about you, but, but I, I don't plan on standing before the judgment seat of Christ empty-handed. I don't plan on my mansion being located somewhere behind the track somewhere. I understand that my giving is just one aspect of, of the Christian life. Friend, it's a huge one. It's a huge one. Jesus dealt with a money issue more than any other issue. Why? Because he understood that the way we handle our money speaks volumes about who we are. My mother and my father are here today and want to welcome them this morning and honor them. Would you welcome them this morning? How we handle our money speaks volumes about who we are. I've told you before, I'm a tightwad. I'm a tightwad. That's my nature. I've always been that way. My mother is here today. She could tell you how I was as a kid. Because I'm a mama's boy. And my mama, my mama could tell you a story about, about me. And we were living in a little town in Oklahoma. And everybody there were cowboys. And so I wanted to be a cowboy like everybody else. And, and I wanted a cowboy hat. And I wanted it really, really bad. And I had the money in my pocket to buy one. And every Saturday, my mom would, and I, we would go to the store. And mom would go in through the store shopping and doing all the things she was doing. And every Saturday I would go over there where those hats were and I'd try on that cowboy hat. Man, I'd put that cowboy hat on, man. You know, we used to watch westerns back in the day and I don't remember who they were now, but some of them, you know, they'd tilt it just a little bit to the side, you know. Some of them, you know, uh, would uh, put it back on the back of their head. And some of them, when they got real serious, they'd put it, you know, way down real low and And every Saturday I'd go to the store and every Saturday I'd look at that cowboy hat and it was the one I wanted. I wanted it so bad and man, I'd look at myself in the mirror and I would think about how I could have fun with that cowboy hat and I could envision myself doing all kinds of things in that cowboy hat. I wanted the cowboy hat. It was exactly what I wanted. It fit. I had the money in my pocket. Every Saturday, I'd take that cowboy hat off. I'd put it back on the shelf and I'd walk out with the money still in my pocket. Got a brother who's just the opposite. Every day before school, we'd stop at the little convenience store and he'd write a check. Yeah, he had a checkbook because we started working when we were little. He'd write a check for a dollar. Now, I don't sound like very much now. That's probably 10 bucks. We're talking a long time ago, okay? Every day we'd stop the store. He'd write it a dollar. And before the day was over, that dollar was gone. Every day. It was just one dollar, but it was every day. Every day. I, I, I'm a tightwad. I'm, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a saver. That's just, that's just, uh, that's just who I am. And, uh, but I want to tell you something. I have never, ever once complained about the money that I've given to God. 
I, I, I don't complain about the money that I spend on my wife. I don't complain about the money that I, that I spend on my children, that I spend on my grandchildren. I don't, I don't complain about the money that I spend on my parents. I don't complain about the money that I spend on my friends. Why? Because I love them. And Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where you're going to find your heart. If you want to discover what a person is passionate about, if you want to know what has captured his heart, all you, all you got to do is just look at where he spends his money. Because where his treasure or where his money is there, say there, there will be his heart also. See, I just don't understand people that say they love God, but they never invest any of their treasure in him or his work. Don't give to missions if you don't mind being empty-handed at the judgment seat of Christ. The last thing this morning, we're done. Don't give to missions. If you don't want to experience the joy of giving. If you, don't want to, if you don't want to experience the joy of giving, don't give the missions. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. Paul says, so let everyone give as he purposes in his heart. Don't give grudgingly or of necessity, Paul writes. He said, because God loves a cheerful giver. Let me tell you something. I wasn't always a cheerful giver. I didn't always give out of a heart of joy. I'm going to tell you something. I started out giving because I thought I'd go to hell if I didn't. That's how straight they used to preach it. And I thought if I don't tithe, I'm going to hell. Because God ain't going to let a thief into heaven. And so I started out giving, not out of a heart. I'm a tithewad. It wasn't joyful. I started giving because I thought I'm going to go to hell if I don't. And even as a rookie pastor 38 years ago, I didn't give joyfully. I gave because as a pastor, I knew I had to be the example. I had to take the lead in giving. If anybody was going to follow, I had to lead. You think I just preach this stuff. If you know me very well, you know that most of the time I tell you what me and my wife are going to give. And I've been criticized for this. And my wife hates it. And I don't like it very much either. But I continue to do so because you need to know that I don't just preach. I don't just preach tithing. I, I'm a tither. You say, why are you preaching tithing? I give. I'm a tither just like you. Some of you signed membership cards said you're going to tithe. You've never tithed one time. I've never called you, written you a letter. But if I don't tithe to my district, they ain't giving me my credentials and I'm not preaching anymore. I'm a tither. Always have been. Always. I tell you so you know that I don't just preach this stuff. I, I practice it. I don't ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And also I tell you, I tell you another reason is because the leader sets the bar. The leader sets the bar. Whatever he, wherever he sets the bar, usually everybody will get under the bar. If he sets the bar high or he sets the bar low, that's where the people are. 
If he sets the bar low, everybody follows suit. Very few exceptions of people that will go beyond the leader in any area. If he sets the bar high, some there are some that will match him. Maybe one or two will go beyond, usually not. Some will match him. Many will go much higher than they originally intended to go. Let me tell you that I did not start out as a joyful giver 38 years ago, but I have developed a joyful heart in giving. Today I love to give to God. I love to give to His work. It's one of my greatest joys. And let me tell you something, friend. If God can develop this tightwad into a joyful giver, there's hope for some of you. Think about this this morning. I'm over my time. but Think about this this morning. What else? Where else can we place our money where it would do more good than in God's work? Did you know that for every dollar that you invest in Assemblies of God missions, three people are presented the gospel? For every dollar that you give to Assemblies of God missions, three people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means last year, New Bethel, because we gave 140 something thousand dollars of missions last year, that means over 420,000 people heard the gospel because New Bethel gave. Thirty-five people got saved right at the altar last year, and that's awesome and good, and I'm thankful for that. But 420,000 people, amen, were presented the gospel around the world because of our missions endeavor. Braden, would you come back, please? Just you, please. I'll try and quit this morning. Let me tell you what God spoke to my heart about for missions this coming year. I heard God very clearly speak to my heart. And God spoke to my heart and He said, I want you to give a double tithe this year. I can't hear you. (laughs) Seriously, I didn't say that. I heard God speak to me, I want a double tithe this year. My wife and I have always been tithers. We've always been very generous in giving to missions. My wife and I will give our regular tithe 10% of our gross pay. We don't do any of this net stuff. I do it on the gross because that's where I want the blessing. So my wife and I will give our regular 10% of our gross income. We'll give that to tithe. It's not missions, it's tithe. We'll give it to tithe. And then we're going to give another tithe. A separate 10% of our gross pay to missions. A total of 20% of our gross pay going to God. Again, I tell you this not to brag. I tell you only to tell you that I don't just preach about this. I practice what I preach. And I tell you so that you're going to know how high the bar is set. Because somehow I believe that if God spoke to me, surely out of 450 people that attend New Bethel, yeah, I know I'm the leader. Yes, I know I'm the lead pastor. Surely I'm thinking that, that if God told me this, He might just say the same thing. Somebody else. New Bethel this year. I don't know what God's going to speak to. I know if you have your fingers in your ears, you're not going to hear anything. 
I don't know what God is going to say to you, but I do know that He will speak to you if you will open your spiritual ears and listen. 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 Well, I've, I've done it again, haven't I? Been a little over the top with this subject today. I can't help it. Can't help it. This is my this is my passion. This is what gets me up in the morning. This is what keeps me going. Amen. This is what why I'm willing to do what I do. People tell me all the time, I wouldn't have your job for nothing, Pastor. Sometimes I wouldn't have it either. Most of the time I love it. If I couldn't do this, I wouldn't want it. Because it's more than just about us world out there that hasn't heard Jesus Christ and I still literally believe the Bible and I still literally believe that people amen that don't get saved are going to hell and I just can't stand that not when there's somebody willing to go tell them about Jesus if only they had the money to go and we got the easy part we got the easy part looking for an excuse not to give the missions today I've given you six reasons honestly I don't think any one of those reasons will fly I just don't I love you with all of my heart I don't mean to offend anybody or make anybody angry but forget all of that it's the word of God it's the heart of God it's the heart of God and it's what New Bethel is all about Father, I just pray today, Father, that you'll take the word that we have shared today.